You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Echoes from the Past, Pictures of the Future, Episode 7 with Daniel Pell. Good evening and welcome to our series Echoes from the Past and Pictures of the Future. We are now we have now come to our seventh presentation entitled Final Deliverance. And what we're going to what, what we are going to do tonight is we are going to wrap up our study of the book of Daniel. We're going to look at the very last chapter of the book of Daniel, that is the twelfth chapter. And then in our second presentation tonight, we are going to launch right into the book of Revelation. So we have a lot of amazing discoveries to uh, be engaged in tonight. And so welcome on this journey. Welcome to this study. And we will begin this study with a word of prayer and invite God's spirit to be with us. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come together. We thank you that we have the opportunity to open your word tonight. And we pray that your Holy Spirit may come and be with us. We understand, Lord, that spiritual things are spiritual discerned. And in ourselves, we lack the capacity and the capability to grasp the deep things that you have communicated to your prophets and passed down through the ages to us today. And so we come before you with a humble understanding that without you, uh, we cannot understand, we cannot comprehend, we cannot be transformed by your word, but also understanding and believing that through you all things are possible. And so we come, Lord, to you asking for you to impart to us your Holy Spirit that you promised, that spirit that will lead us into all truth. May he be our teacher tonight. May he speak through me, Lord, as your word is presented. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to turn right to Daniel chapter 12. And you will remember that the, that the theme of the book of Daniel began with a captivity. The theme that has been running through the book is the prophet being in exile in Babylon. Now, as you come to the very final chapter in the book of Daniel, what we encounter there is a great, great deliverance, a deliverance that is promised, not only a deliverance that, of course, was coming for the Jews as a nation as they left Babylon and returned to Jerusalem, but an ultimate deliverance in the end of time when Jesus Christ comes and breaks the shackles of sin completely so that all that are on this earth will experience that power of the coming of Christ and be transformed. Now that transformation already begins now, that transformation happens already now, but we are bound to this earth. On this earth, we experience the sorrow around us, the death around us that God never had intended this world to experience. But then when he comes the second time, there is the ultimate deliverance from this world. Our bodies will be changed and we will have a new body and we will be transformed into the courts of heaven. The final deliverance is the theme of, of Daniel chapter 12 and it is really the theme also of the Bible when you look at it as a whole. There is, uh, uh, there is sin that has come into this world but we are not left in despair throughout the Gospels and throughout the scriptural story and throughout the prophecies, we have this amazing theme of deliverance, a theme that is also very prominent in the book of Daniel. And so we have the captivity and the deliverance. In chapter one, we began the book of Daniel with the captivity and we end in Daniel chapter 12 with the deliverance. So why don't we turn there together, Daniel chapter 12, 
And we pick up the story right there in verse 1, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1. In our last presentation, we had quite a journey as we walked through those verses of chapter 11, a very long prophecy indeed. Uh, and we looked at um, the very days, we went all the way back to, be- to the beginning, uh, the days of um, King Darius, the Mede, and we ended up there in the end of the chapter with the final events before Christ returns. And so in a matter of, what was it, 45 verses there in Daniel 11, it was quite a journey through history. Hundreds and hundreds of years are covered there in that graphic account of what will come upon this world. And many of these events have already come upon this world. We are indeed living in the final verses of Daniel 11. And Daniel 12 is just before us. Daniel 11, we will be able to locate ourselves in those final verses, and there is indeed a great time of trouble that the Bible, um, the Bible calls it a great time of trouble that is upon this world, and yet God's people will be delivered through it, and ultimately Jesus will stand up for his people and come to take them home. He promised already, long, long time ago, 2,000 years ago, he promised to his disciples, he said, um, if, you believe in, if you believe in the Father, believe also in me, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That was a promise that Jesus gave. And it is a promise that we can hold on to as Christians as we look forward to that final deliverance. Now take a look at Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 as we are introduced to the final deliverance. It is interesting to note before I read this verse that verse 1 in chapter 1 of Daniel begins with the captivity and verse 1 in chapter 12, which is the last chapter, begins with deliverance. And so we have those two themes in the book of Daniel, captivity and deliverance. Let us read about that ultimate final deliverance in the end of time. Daniel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. And the Bible says, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. We read in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 that there will be a great, great time of trouble. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes so far to say that there was never, ever such a time before. Now, if we remember what we studied in our last presentation, if we remember all the wars and struggles and challenges that God's people have faced throughout the ages, throughout the course of history... And in comparison with that, we read this verse, then we understand that this world is about to be, um, to be cast into a time that it has never, ever experienced before. We are about to enter into a period of trouble that goes beyond anything that we can ever have thought of. And yet, that could lead us to despair. And yet, in the very same verse, as we have the description of this time of trouble, such as never was, we also have the immediate confidence that Michael, which is another word for, which is another name for Christ, and we'll look a little closer at that in just a moment, we have the confidence that Michael is going to stand up for us. 
It is almost like the language of, you know, um, a, a little boy that is being teased or is that, that, that gets himself in trouble, maybe at school or maybe some other place. And then his big brother comes by his side and says, everything's going to be okay. You know, that's the kind of picture that you get here. We are entering into a time of trouble that just seems beyond every, anything that we could have imagined. We are in a time, we're going to enter into a time that we do not know what is going to come upon us. And yet then we can have the confidence and the surety, the assurance of Jesus himself that he is by our side. And at that very moment that he will sustain us and empower us and ultimately that he will deliver us. So let us look a little closer at this verse because we want to ask the question, who is Michael? I've already referred to Michael a few times during our series, and each time I have said that it is another name for Jesus. But, uh, you know, you don't want to just take that as evidence enough to say that Michael is Jesus. We have to do a little bit of a Bible study here, a few scriptures that we want to go to in order, to, in order for us to be certain that this person here, uh, this being here in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, is indeed Jesus Christ. So the question is, who is Michael? Who is Michael? Now, the word Michael or the name Michael appears only three times in the book of Daniel. You find it twice mentioned in the 10th chapter that we looked at in our last presentation, and then once he is mentioned here in chapter 12. Now, in the 10th chapter, you might remember the story there. Uh, Daniel is earnestly praying, Daniel is fasting, and Daniel is mourning because the Jews had been sent back to restore Jerusalem, and yet there was some trouble going on. There were some challenges that they faced, and things weren't going so well. And so Daniel is in earnest prayer that the king. Cyrus will indeed go forward with this degree, and so that prophecy can actually be fulfilled. Gabriel then comes to Daniel in answer to his prayer, and he reveals to Daniel that he has been struggling with the king of Cyrus for 21 days. And so there's this spiritual battle going on, and that one verse there in Daniel chapter 10, as it was, it pulls back the curtains and gives us a view as to what is going on behind the scenes. Here an angel of God is, is working on the mind of Cyrus, but there are also dark forces at work to hinder this prophecy from coming to pass. Now you will remember that Gabriel then says to Daniel there in Daniel chapter 10, he says, there was one that came to his help. And who was that? That was Michael. Now, if Michael came to help Gabriel, then that implies that Michael is greater than Gabriel. Are you with me? Now, if Gabriel is the archangel, the overall ruling angel in heaven, then there is someone above Gabriel. This already applies that this could well be speaking of none other than Jesus Christ. But let us go to a couple of other texts where we encounter the name Michael, because it's very easy, because there are really only five places in the Bible where Michael is mentioned. Five places. Three of them are in the book of Daniel, as I mentioned, twice in chapter 10, one once in chapter 12 here. And the other two places where you encounter the name Michael is the book of Jude, which is the book just prior to the book of Revelation, and then in the book of Revelation itself. Now, why don't we go quickly to the book of Jude? If you can find the book of Revelation, that's all the way in the end of your Bible, and you flip just one book back, you end up in the book of Jude, which only has one chapter. It's a very short book. And right there in the book of Jude and verse 9, we read about this being Michael. And take notice of what Michael is doing here. This is important for us to note. Jude and verse 9. Verse 9. 
The Bible says, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil. So this being Michael is doing what? He's contending, he's battling against the devil himself. And what is the battle about? We continue to read in verse 9. When he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So when Michael is contending with the devil, it is about Moses and Moses had died. But you might remember the story. Moses was also resurrected and is now in heaven. As a matter of fact, uh, you might remember the story of the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James and John, to the top of a mountain. And there Jesus is transfigured before them, before them in all his glory. And there are two beings that appear side by, uh, by the side of Jesus. Jesus, and that is Elijah and Moses. So Moses is resurrected. Now, if, if Michael is contending for the body of Moses, this implies that this being Michael has the power to resurrect. Are you with me? Now, is there any other being that has the power to resurrect than Jesus Christ? No, Jesus Christ is the one that resurrects. Now, let's go to the other, the last appearance of the, of the name Michael there in the book of Revelation. Turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought, and the dragon and, the, uh, and his angels fought fought and they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out so there's a battle going on in heaven a battle for the throne of god and the battle is being raged between michael and his angels and the dragon or satan and his angels now putting all these pieces together there's really only one being that can take on the devil and that is Jesus Christ. There's really only one being that can resurrect the dead. That has been committed to Jesus Christ because he died for our sins. And because he died for our sins, he provides eternal life. And he is eternal. And so he can give eternal life. Now, still some people might say with all that evidence, well, why then is he called an angel? Well, if you turn with me to the book of Thessalonians, and this is the last text we will go to uh, in regards to Michael being Jesus, turn with me to the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4. And, and, and look at this um, text that deals with the second coming of Christ and the events around the second coming of Christ, the final deliverance that we're talking about here in Daniel chapter 12 as well. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Paul is giving the confidence that though a person dies, you, you, you can put your trust and faith in God. And if that person was a believer, you'll see them again in the resurrection. Listen to what, how he continues to unfold this truth before the people. Verse 15, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and listen to the next phrase, with the voice of an archangel. 
with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the voice is heard of an archangel. In other words, Jesus Christ coming upon the clouds of heaven is described as an archangel that shouts and causes the dead in Christ to rise. And certainly Michael, this angel, this archangel is none other than Jesus Christ himself. That's not diminishing Jesus at all. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is uh, one with the Godhead. He's one with the Father. He has always existed and will always exist. And yet he's described in the Bible as, as Michael, as an angel, as the commanding, the commander of the legions of angels. And here in Daniel chapter 12, if we go back to our chapter, back to our text, we encounter Michael, we encounter Jesus as the one that stands up for his people. As a matter of fact, as we have gone over those verses where the name Michael appears, you will have noted that every time the name Michael appears, it is in some combat um, form, it is in some combat setting. And so Michael is Jesus in combat with the forces of evil, standing by the side of God's people and enabling them to pass through the time of trouble and experience the final deliverance. And so right there in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, we encounter Michael, which means the one who is like God, Jesus standing by our side. Then it talks about the time of trouble, and it says that there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. Now, what is the time of trouble? What is this time of trouble going to be like? Now, there are texts in the Bible that talk about what the time of the end is going to be like. As a matter of fact, in, 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 in the book of Matthew, in chapter 24, Jesus has a sermon there that is also called the end time sermon of Jesus, the Ashkatology of Jesus, where he portrays the final events of earth's history. And he talks about disasters, and he talks about famines, and earthquakes, and pestilence. He talks about wars, and rumors of war, wars, and earthquakes, and hurricanes, and these events events that Jesus mentions there in Matthew chapter 24 are of course happening all around us and contribute to this time of trouble. It's almost like as we near the destination um, of the final deliverance, the, the trouble becomes more intense and it becomes more frequent. It's almost like when you're on your way to a city. Imagine that you're on, a way, on your way to a destination, to a city where you've never been before you will be looking for signs to find your way to that destination. And let's say you see a sign to the certain city that you're, that you're traveling to, and it says on the sign that it's still 100 kilometers away. It will then take maybe a while before you see the next sign that says 70 kilometers. But the closer you come to that city, the closer you come to that destination, the more frequent the signs will appear. So it is also the more closer we come to the end of time, the closer we come to the final deliverance, we will get signs that will be more frequent and not only more frequent, but they will be more intense. They will intensify. Now, we all know that as we look around us in the world today, there is an, not only a, a greater frequency, but also a greater intensity in the signs that Jesus mentions there in Matthew chapter 24 as to earthquakes. Now, you know, myself, I myself experienced an earthquake this year. I was on my way to New Zealand to do a, a, a series of, of prophecy meetings in uh, Christchurch, the city of Christchurch. 
And maybe some of you that have been following along in the news this, uh, this year, you will remember what happened on the 22nd of February in the city of Christchurch. There was a great big earthquake, a devastating earthquake, and hundreds of people lost their lives. I actually arrived in Christchurch the day after the earthquake. I was on my way and I landed in, the, in, in, in Melbourne in Australia and I couldn't get a connecting flight because the airport was closed and, and I was able to get on the first flight coming into the city of Christchurch after this devastating earthquake. And I can tell you when I met the people there and I worked with the people and we, we did, by the way, by God's grace, continue our prophecy series, it was amazing to see the very signs that Jesus had spoken of to really see see it before my very eyes. There were many aftershocks and we were experiencing smaller earthquakes in the period that, they were, that we were there. During the period that I was in New Zealand, I remember very well reading on the news and hearing on the news what, what had happened in Japan. You know very well the calamity that hit, the tsunami that hit there. My friends, we are witnessing before our very eyes the intensity of the signs that are leading us more and more into this final time of trouble. Now, the time of trouble is not just natural disasters. There's another uh, angle, there's another aspect to the time of trouble, and that is the very things that we um, learned about, that we studied about in our last presentation that are recorded there in Daniel chapter 11. Because in Daniel chapter 11, when you come to the end of that chapter, you will remember that in the final verses of Daniel chapter 11, it predicts that there will be a new Roman Empire, the papacy will grow to world dominance and this power will cause great trouble for God's people. It will cause great trouble for those that stand upon the firm foundation of God's word. It is just like a repetition of what happened during the Reformation. During the Reformation, those men that stood for truth like Martin Luther and many others, they were in trouble with Rome. And so the time of trouble is really this, 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 um, coming together of various events in the world. It is signs uh, that Jesus spoke of as to disasters and natural occurrences and, and, and moral, de moral, moral degradation and, and also, of course, the financial world that is uh, heading into a time of trouble. And all these things play into the picture. But, but then you have from the other side also the time of trouble that is created by man himself as to this new world order that is creating a time of persecution such as never has been in the world's history. And as we look back into history, we see many, many times of persecution against God's people. But there will be a time of trouble, according to scripture, such as never has been. And yet again, we gain the confidence as a people of God that Michael will stand by our side. And so who will be delivered? There in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, let me read the verse again. It tells us about a deliverance as well. It says, At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. There shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. And then listen to what it says next. Everyone who is found written in the book. So there will be a deliverance for those that have their names written in the book of life. And we can have our names written in the book of life tonight. When we make the decision to place our trust and confidence in Jesus Christ, he has promised to write our name in the book of life.
When you put your confidence and trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you come before Jesus Christ, even now as your high priest, and he's in the sanctuary in heaven, and the Bible tells us, and the New Testament tells us, that we are to come to him with boldness, with confidence, and we can lay our sins before him, and he has promised to take our sins and to forgive us, and ultimately to blot out our sins and to give us his righteousness, to give us his character, so that we can stand in the end of time, putting the character of God on display in our lives. God wants to transform our characters today. You see, when Jesus comes again, there will be a final deliverance. It will be a deliverance from this world. It will be a deliverance from the very things that hold us here. But already now, God wants to give us a deliverance from sin. A deliverance from sin in our lives, that sin will be rooted out and the character of Christ will be put on display in our lives. It's a deliverance that we can experience right now as we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And so Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, it contains so much just in that one verse. We have the confidence of Michael standing by our side. We have the promise of the deliverance. But we also read about a time of trouble that will come upon this world and that is now already coming into, it is, it is happening, it is coming about. We see the beginnings of this time of, tr of trouble even before us right now. And let us put our trust and confidence in Michael. Listen to what it says in verse 2. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The final deliverance will climax in the coming of Jesus. And when Jesus comes, we are promised that there will be a great resurrection. We already read the text in the book of 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we read about how when Jesus comes, there will be the shout of the archangel. There will be the voice of Jesus that is heard. And that voice will cause the dead that are sleeping in Jesus, that are sleeping in Christ, to raise up to life. There will be a mighty, mighty resurrection. A resurrection that leads to everlasting life. And my friends, if, you, if, if we would pass away before Jesus would come, we can have the confidence based upon the word of God that death is only asleep. The Bible says over and over again that death is asleep. There are more than 50 places in the Bible where the Bible refers to death being asleep. It is not something eternal. We are sleeping in the grave waiting for the resurrection morning, waiting for the moment that Jesus will come where we will be reunited with him, where he will uh, meet us in the air, as it says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says we will meet the Lord in the air ever to be with him. It is the truth of the resurrection that gives hope to the Christian. So maybe some of us will be alive when Jesus comes, or maybe we, will, uh, we have passed away before he comes, but we have the confidence that we will experience that final deliverance when we put our trust in, in Jesus and our names are written in the book of life. Listen to what it says in verse 3, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now, I want you to take notice of the language here. It says those who are, what does it say? Those who are wise. Now, do we learn anything about wise men in the book of Daniel? 
We've now come to chapter 12, but as we have studied the course of, of the book of Daniel, as, we, as we've moved chapter by chapter, there's quite a number of wise men that we have encountered in these stories. Now, these wise men were wise men that were um, officiating for the king. They were working for the king in the realm of Babylon and Medo-Persia. These wise men were, were um, on the payroll of the king in order to give interpretation of dreams and visions. And yet what we will remember from the stories is that they utterly failed time and time again. You'll remember in Daniel chapter 2 that Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream and he dreams of this image that is made of different metals and representing various kingdoms. Now he could not remember the dream, neither the interpretation. And so he, what does he do? He calls together his wise men. The wise men of the realm of Babylon could not give an understanding of the dream. They couldn't come with the dream, neither the interpretation. The prophet is vindicated when he comes on the scene and is able to give the interpretation. And then, you know, you go to Daniel chapter, what is it, Daniel chapter 5, where you have the king of Medo-Persia that is there, and um, the, the writing appears on the wall, mena, mena, tekel, upasen. Again, he calls the wise men. None are able to give the interpretation. The prophet Daniel comes, and again, the name of God is glorified, and the interpretation is given. And in chapter 4, also, you encounter the wise men when Nebuchadnezzar had the dream of the tree that was cut down. Remember that story? And again, the wise men are called and they cannot give an interpretation of that dream. And so what we're encountering in the chapters of the book of Daniel is that the wise men of Babylon are failing. And then you come to Daniel chapter 12 and Daniel chapter 12 talks about those who are wise. Now these are those that are filled with the wisdom of God, not with the wisdom of man. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Why? Because the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is that which gives light. The word of God is that which gives knowledge. The word of God is our source of truth and our source of understanding. It is a revelation of the character of God. And so if I have the word of God, and if I am filled with the spiritual teachings of God's word, then I can be wise, not because I am wise in my human understanding, because this is a wisdom that comes from God. And that is the type of wisdom that God wants to give to you and to me, so that we can be filled with wisdom and that we can be part of the number of those that God is going to call wise. He says they are like the brightness of the firmament. And then it gives another description of these ones that are wise. It says, they will turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So these that are wise and filled with God's word are not merely content with having that wisdom and keeping it for themselves. These that are wise and filled with God's word will want to put that word of God on display so others can also be turned from unrighteousness, turned from their wicked ways, turned from the darkness of this world into the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, let us pray that we will be amongst those that are not only filled with an understanding of the book of Daniel theologically, but that we will also be filled with a burden by the teachings of this book so that our lives will be transformed and that we will be able to reach out to others and indeed fulfill this very verse. 
that we will be those that will turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You might remember the story of, 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 of Abraham. Abraham, he had no children, and yet out of him a great nation was going to come. And God, he called him out uh, on one night, and it was this clear night, and, and the heavenly stars, the, he saw all the stars in heaven, and he looked up to the stars, and God said, as you see those stars, so your descendants will be. And you know, by faith, we can be a descendant of Abraham. In the book of Galatians, Paul says that by faith, we are sons and daughters of Abraham. And we can shine like the stars forever and ever. This is the blessed hope that scripture gives us. The blessed hope that even can begin right now as we shine with the word of God in our hearts. And ultimately the blessed, the blessed hope that will result in spending eternity with Jesus Christ himself. Let us look at verse 4. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. It says, but you, Daniel... Shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Now there's kind of a transition in Daniel chapter 12 as we come to verse 4. Because Daniel chapter 12 and the three verses that we just looked at are actually part of the prophecy of Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11 uh, started there in the kingdom of uh, Medo-Persia and it led us all the way through to the very time of the end, the very final happenings in earth's history with the rise of the papacy and the final events. And then chapter 12 launched us into the final time of trouble, but the deliverance through my and then leading us to the resurrection or the coming of Jesus Christ and into eternity. And so what that entire prophecy did, beginning in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 1 and ending in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, brought us from the kingdom of Medo-Persia or the place where the prophet Daniel was all the way into eternity. They will shine like stars, what did it say? Forever and ever. So the prophecy is leading us into eternity. And then when you come to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, we have a transition in the chapter. And now the closing words are spoken to the prophet. Listen to these words. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So what is spoken? These words that are spoken to Daniel are very significant. They're very important. The prophecies that were given to the prophet between 500 and 600 years before Christ were not to be fully understood in his days. As a matter of fact, they could not be understood in his days. And so the prophecies that were given were to be sealed up. They were to be closed until a specific time. And that time is the time of the end. And of course, we can ask ourselves the question, are we living in that time? Well, without doubt, we are living in that time. We are living in a time that the book of Daniel has been opened. We are living in a time that we can actually study these chapters as we have been doing throughout these presentations. And we are not shrouded in mystery. We are not, we are not uh, fumbling around in the dark. We have an understanding of these prophecies. And this understanding is, is we are able to have an understanding because of this very verse. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, which tells us that... At the time of the end, the book of Daniel will be opened. It has been sealed until the time of the end. And then it specifies what the time of the end will be like. It says, many shall run to and fro, 
and knowledge shall increase. Now, the question, of course, that we ask, are many running to and fro today? No doubt about that. You know, many are running to and fro, and the uh, capability of getting around has just dramatically changed over the course of, of, of recent history. We can now get on a plane, and, and in a matter of hours, we are in a total different place of this world. And, you know, I find myself very often on planes, and I'm just amazed by the speed and the ability that we have, uh, that in a matter of 24 hours, we can get anywhere where we want to get. It's just amazing. And, of course, there's also a great increase of knowledge. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Certainly, we see an explosion of knowledge in the very world in which we live. If we just think about what was around when we were young and what is around today, it's just amazing to see that explosion of knowledge. Now, not only is there an explosion of knowledge in the technological world or in the scientific world, there's also an explosion of knowledge when it comes to Bible prophecy. When you think about it, now today we can understand these prophecies. Why? Because many of these prophecies are historic prophecies. Many of the prophecies of Daniel chapter or Daniel as a whole is, is looking back and seeing the fulfillment of these events, which gives us confidence that also the events that are in the future will come to pass. Just think about Daniel 11 that we studied. I mean, when you look at 45 verses of detailed prophecy, and uh, at least 40 of those verses have come to pass. Certainly, we can have confidence that those final verses will happen as we are living on the very verge of eternity. We are living on the very... On the very uh, at the very last moments of earth's history, the time of trouble is just before us. And praise God, the final deliverance is just before us as well. We can have confidence that we are living in the time that the book of Daniel is no longer sealed. The book of Daniel is opened and the time of the end has begun. Daniel chapter 12 and the rest of Daniel chapter 12 even emphasizes that even more, that we are living in the time of the end. Take notice of the next verse. Daniel chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. It says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, and on this riverbank and on the other, on, and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? A question is asked, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? I want you to take notice also of the setting here. This is a very similar setting to that which we encountered in Daniel chapter 8. If you remember when we studied Daniel chapter 8, which led us through these various, through these various beasts, you will remember the, the, the ram, uh, and then the goat, and then the horn that became great. You remember that, that dream, that, that vision, that prophecy? And then you read in Daniel chapter 8, at the, um, as you come to the end of that vision, that Daniel sees two heavenly beings, and the one is asking the other, how long till these things be fulfilled? Very similar scene do we encounter here after this long prophecy in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. So you have a prophecy and then two heavenly beings that are having a conversation regarding that prophecy. This we encountered in Daniel chapter 8, and now we encounter it again here in Daniel chapter 11 and 12. And the question that is asked, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be, re referring, of course, to the wonders that have just been um, detailed, uh, detailed uh, described and prophesied in this prophecy. 
So that's the question, how long? And look at the answer, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 7. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 7. It says, Then I heard the man clothed in, uh, clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. So the answer that is given here refers to a prophetic time of describing it here, a time, times, and half a time. Now, what is this actually referring to? It's interesting to note that in the Bible, this is not the only place where we encounter this language, a time, times, and half a time. You find it another place in the book of Daniel. You find it in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And why don't you turn there with me? You turn from Daniel chapter 12 to Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. And here it is a description of the little horn power. And for those of you that have followed with our, uh, with our study on Daniel chapter 7, you will remember that the little horn power is none other than the papacy, the papal power um, of Bible prophecy. And look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 as it describes this power and mentions the very same time period of a time, times, and half a time. It says in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So it's talking about the persecution of the papacy of the little horn upon the saints, upon the people of God. And then it describes this time as a time, times and half a time. Now, then you encounter the same time there in Daniel chapter 12. And if you now turn to Revelation chapter 12, I want you to take notice of something interesting. Revelation, which is the twin book of the book of Daniel. And oftentimes we have to turn to Revelation to find our understanding regarding prophecies of Daniel and vice versa, because these books really belong together. And in Revelation chapter 12, listen to what it says as it is describing also a period, again, of persecution. And it gives us a, a period uh, and a description um, of the time of persecution. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. But the woman... And a woman in Bible prophecy is a church, and we're going to study that more in depth in a future presentation. But a woman here in, De in Revelation chapter 12 that is described is a description of God's movement. And listen to what it says. The woman was given two wings. This is symbolic language of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. It's like God is going to protect his movement. And then it says, where she is nourished for a time, and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So God's movement is protected for a period of a time, times, and half a time. The book of Daniel talked about a persecution for a time, times, and half a time by the Antichrist, by the papacy. 
And now take notice of the same chapter, Revelation chapter 12, and go to verse 6. Because here in chapter 12, this period of persecution and this period of God's deliverance is mentioned twice. In one place in, Daniel, in Revelation chapter 12, it's mentioned as time, times, and half a time. But then in the other place that we're now going to read, it is mentioned in another way, which gives us an understanding of what this time is really all about. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 6. It says, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, very similar to verse 14, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. 1,260 days. Now you will remember that in Bible prophecy, a prophetic day equals a what? A literal year. We've looked at that principle already several times as we've been studying these prophecies. And so when you look at 1260 days, it's really talking about 1260 years. Now I want you to see that a time times and half a time is the exact same period as the 1260 years. Look at it this way. A time is a year and times is two years and half a time is of course half a year. Uh, you might remember the story in Daniel chapter 4 where Nebuchadnezzar lost his kingdom till seven times were passed over him. Now those seven times were seven years. He lost his, his kingdom for a period of seven years. So a time is a year. And so when you have a time times and half a time, we're looking at a year plus times two years plus half a time, half a year is three and a half years. Now, three and a half years amounts to 1260 days, or another way of putting it, 42 months. Now, uh, in Revelation chapter 13, if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 5, listen to what it says about this uh, antichrist power. This is, by the way, a parallel prophecy to Daniel chapter 7. We have Revelation chapter 13. We looked at this um, in a previous presentation. It says, and he, talking about this beast power, this antichrist power, was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for how long? 42 months. So sometimes the Bible talks about time, times, and half a time. Sometimes it talks about 1260 days. Sometimes it talks about 42 months, but it's all talking about the same period of time. And when you look at those time prophecies, they're in the same setting of persecution by the papacy against God's people, God's saints during the dark ages. Now, uh, you take a time being a year, that would give you 360 days. If times is two years, that would give you 720 days. And if half a time is half a year, that would give you 180 days. And so you count 360 plus 720 plus 180, and you have 1260. So I hope you're, trying, you're, you're beginning to see the connection here of prophecy and how basically all these periods, they sum up the same event. What is very, very interesting is that this period of time is mentioned seven times in scripture. Seven is a number of completion, a number of fullness. Remember that God created the world in six days and then the seventh day was the Sabbath and he looked back at his creation and he said, it is finished. 
So seven is a number of completeness and fullness. You see it uh, many times appearing in the book of Revelation. You know, you have seven angels, you have seven churches, you have seven trumpets, you have seven seals, you have seven plagues. You have a lot of number of seven when we get into the book of Revelation. And so what we're seeing here is that this period of time is a very, very important one. Otherwise, the Bible would not mention it seven times, right? And it mentions it in different ways to really cause us to study and look in depth as to what this period is all about. Now, why is it so important? Why is it so important? It is important because it leads us to the date of the beginning of the time of the end. Now, the question there in Daniel chapter 12 was, when, when will all these wonders be? How long till all these wonders be? And then the answer that is given is a time, times, and half a time. That prophecy fulfilled from 538 AD when the papacy gained full control over the kings of Europe and church and state were united. And then for 1260 years, the papacy ruled uh, during those long, long dark ages until the year 1798 when the papacy was, when the Pope was taken captive in Rome by the commander of the French army and the uh, unity between church and state was abolished in that year. That year also marked the very beginning of the time of the end according to prophecy. So we are now living in the time of the end. And that's why when we studied Daniel chapter 11 yesterday, you'll remember that when you came to verse 40 in Daniel chapter 11, there was really a transition in the prophecy because Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40, what did it say? Why don't we look at it for a moment? Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40, it says, at the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him. Of course, that was the power that abolished the papacy. At the time of the end. Here we are in end time language. Here we are in a setting of end time events. From 1798 was also the period that the word of God began to be studied more and more. Remember what it said in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4? Shut up the book, seal the book until... The time of the end. When did the book of Daniel, when was it really opened? When did, begin, when did people begin studying it? It was in the end of the 1700s. It was in the beginning of the 1800s that they started preaching upon the, the book of Daniel and Revelation, not prior to that time. And so what we're seeing is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy over and over again. Now, of course, these things were very hard for the prophet to understand in the very time in which he was living. As a matter of fact, Daniel, he's looking, he's looking at these events, he's hearing all these prophecies, and, and much of it is passing by him because he is living not in the fulfillment of these things. And so he asks the question in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 9. Listen to the, listen to the question or listen to the words that are spoken to Daniel as a, as a confirmation for him. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. In other words, Daniel, you have performed your task. You have recorded these prophecies. You can go, you can rest. These things will come to pass in due time. Now, of course, that was um, difficult for the prophet. And uh, he continues to probe as to what this all means. And look at verse 10 as the explanation is further given of, of, of what this time period uh, points to. It says, Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. 
Again, it's a repetition and enlargement that is at work here in this prophecy. We see that as we come closer to the time of the end, not only do we have an understanding of the events that are going to happen in Daniel chapter 11, but in Daniel chapter 12, we also have now an understanding of what's going to happen with the people of God. So we have Daniel chapter 11, the description of the time of the end, especially the, fa- the last five verses there. And then in Daniel chapter 12, we have a repetition of what's going to happen in the time of the end. But no more. But in, in Daniel chapter 11, there was a lot of focus on what the papacy is going to do in the end of time. And here in Daniel chapter 12, we have a focus of what's going to happen to God's people during that time. Listen to what it says. This is an encouragement for those that will stand for truth at that very day, at that very time. It says, many shall be purified and made white and refined. The wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. There's going to be an increase of knowledge, biblical knowledge. There's going to be an increase of dedication to God's word and there will be another reformation, another revival. Now, I want you to take notice of the... uh, prophecy here so that you have a little bit of an idea of how this fits into the larger prophecy uh, that we studied in Daniel chapter 8. You'll remember that in Daniel chapter 8 we studied about the 2,300 year prophecy that ended in 1844 and we also studied the the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 that dealt with the Jews as a nation and the 490 years or the 70 weeks that was given to them. Um, and a lot of events that transpired during that period. Now, these 1260 years, or the time, times, and half a time, the 42 months, this period is from 538 to 1798, and so it fits in right here, just before, actually, the cleansing of the sanctuary in the heavenly, uh, the cleansing of the sanctuary in the cleansing, the cleansing of the most holy place in the heavenly sanctuary. That just happens prior to that. You have here a period of basically 46 years between 1798 and 1844. So it's very close to each other. You have the time of the end, then you have uh, the preaching of of, of the prophecies that, that commences, and then you have the event of the cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary just after that. Now, let's go to the next Uh, verse here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. It says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Now, here a new prophecy is added. We have come now to, to the last few verses of the book of Daniel. This is verse 11, and the book of Daniel chapter 12 has, has, has uh, 13 verses. So we're coming to the very end of the book now. And the time of the end, that date of 1798, is of such great importance to understand that it's going to be confirmed by various prophecies. It's already confirmed by the 1260 years, but now another prophecy is given in verse 11 to even further confirm that date of 1798. The beginning of the time of the end. The beginning of the understanding of the book of Daniel. Because that's really what the prophet is wondering. That's really what is important for us to know if the book of Daniel can be understood. And so in these final verses, it is a confirmation of that. And by doing so, it gives us another time period. The time period that is given in verse 11 is not 1260, but 1290 days. Now, there is no beginning date that is given in this verse. And so naturally, we should begin at the very, at the, or there's no, sorry, no beginning date or end date given in this verse. And so naturally, we should look at the prophecy that has already been revealed, the 1260, and somehow connect this prophecy with that one. Because 
basically, if it's given just after the 1260, it must have some connection with the 1260. Now, what event is it talking about? It talks about the daily being taken away, the daily sacrifice being taken away. That phrase we have found in two other places in the book of Daniel already. We found it in Daniel chapter 8, where it talked about the daily being taken away. And remember that that word sacrifice is, is, is an added word, so uh, it was added by the translators. But the word daily is there, and it comes from the Hebrew word tamid, which means continual. And it talks about the continual uh, paganism that was going on, which was taken away or absorbed by the papacy, as Rome has two phases, pagan Rome and then papal Rome. And so the daily, the um, continual uh, paganism is a way absorbed by the papacy. This phrase, this event of the setting up of the abomination of desolation, the setting up of the papacy, this very language we find three times in the book of Daniel. We find it in chapter 8, which we already studied. We find it in chapter 11, which we also already studied. And now we find it in chapter 12. So it's the same event that we're talking about. It's not suddenly another event here in Daniel chapter 12. This is talking about the transition from pagan Rome to papal Rome. I also gave you earlier a text there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul describes this transition from, um, from or this transition of one power to another power and we can clearly identify that as uh, papal Rome um, absorbing or taking away paganism and basically continuing paganism in the form of Christianity. This is what the Bible calls the abomination of desolation. So we've seen it in various prophecies. Here it talks about 1290. Now, if you take the beginning or the end date of the 1290 being 1798, which is then another identification mark of the time of the end, and you would count 1290 back, you would end up in the year 508 AD. Now, something very interestingly happened in 508 AD. In 508, Clovis, the king of the Franks, gave his allegiance to the papacy, and it was the beginning of the merge of church and state. As a matter of fact, between 508 and 538, in a period of 30 years, church and state merged together, and then at the end of those 30 years, it was, the church was fully empowered to do its work during the 1260 years. It was fully empowered to be a persecuting power during those dark ages. Why? Because it had the full authority of the kings of Europe at that time. And it began with Clovis, which gave his allegiance to the papacy, which became a baptized Catholic in the year 508. So it's interesting when you look at the 1290 and you place it in the context of the 1260, which is very obviously what we must do because Daniel 12 really gives us no beginning or end date, then you see how it connects with the prophecy of the 1260 leading us to that beginning of the time of the end or the year 1798. There's an interesting parallel that you could also draw here. Remember that Jesus, which is the, which is the uh, embodiment of truth, Jesus came into this world and was incarnated into human flesh and he lived and grew up and for a period of 30 years he was preparing for his public ministry which lasted for three and a half years, right? So for 30 years he's preparing for his ministry that lasted for three and a half years 
years. Here we have a counterfeit picture of the papacy, which is now wanting to stand in the place of Christ. Remember that the word antichrist not only means opposed to Christ, but it wants to stand in the place of Christ. And it has 30 years that it prepares for its public ministry or its public work of 1260 years or three and a half prophetic years. Isn't that interesting? A perfect counterfeit. And yet we must study the word of God to see the difference so that we can stand upon the platform of truth. Church and state unites in 508. It is the beginning of this merge of church and state, which eventually led to this um, full unity between church and state in 538 AD. Now, the second last verse in Daniel chapter 12, verse 12, it says, blessed is, the, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. We have one last time prophecy. This is the last time prophecy that we have in the book of Daniel. And it says, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Now, if we have to wait... This is actually building then upon the prophecy that has just been given in verse 11. It's almost like a building process here. 1260, 12, and then you have the, the uh, 1290, and then upon the 1290, we have the 1335. Now, if you have to wait and you come to a blessed experience, what is this talking about? Well, going back again to the prophetic chart here, if we start in the same place as the 1290, 508, which we have much, um, much credibility to do so because it's the very next verse and it says, blessed is he who waits. So if we wait beyond the 1290 and we have 1335 beginning in 508, you end up in the year 1843. That is one year prior to 1844. And what happened in 1844, according to the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 and 9, in 1844, Jesus Christ as our high priest that is ministering in the heavenly sanctuary moved from the holy place into the most holy place to commence what we call the antitypical day of atonement. And we spend a little bit of time in studying what that was all about. Uh, what it really basically is all about is that God is opening the books, the records of man, of humanity, and he's going through and he's investigating the lives of, of, of all human beings from the very beginning of creation until now. And he is seeing who can be saved. He's going to save everyone that can be saved. And so he's looking at their lives looking at in who they have trusted and whom they have believed. And he is writing the names of those that will be saved in the book of life. At the end of that investigative judgment, the books, the books every, every record will have been gone through. Then Jesus Christ will leave the heavenly sanctuary and he will come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right now, since 1844, we are living in what we call this investigative judgment. It's really, uh, when you study the old sanctuary service, you can see how the high priest once a year would move into the most holy place and they would call that day Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. When you take that word, the day of atonement, you can really break it up in the English language. Is the, it is the day of atonement. It's the day of becoming one, becoming one with Jesus Christ. So that's what is going on right now. That started in 1844, according to the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8. What is then the blessing of ending up in the year 1843? 
Well, in 1843, there was a tremendous revival around the world because they were now studying the book of Daniel. As a matter of fact, the book of Daniel had been unsealed in 1798. And up between 1798 and 1843, there was a tremendous awakening in the world. This is not just something that... Um, uh, church history tells us, even secular history talks about this great revival in the beginning of the 1800s. Around the world, there was a preaching that was going on based upon the word of God, based upon the books of Daniel and Revelation. Many people were awakened to the truths of God's word because many believed that in the year 1844, Jesus Christ was going to come back. They based this prophecy on Daniel 8.14. They said, unto 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. They understood that the sanctuary was this world, and they thought that the cleansing of the sanctuary was the cleansing of this world by fire when Jesus comes. So what they missed out in the prophecy is that the sanctuary is not this world, but it's the sanctuary in heaven. The book of Hebrews talks about a sanctuary in heaven where Jesus serves as our high priest. So they had the time right, they had the prophecy right, but they didn't have the event right. And so there was this great revival. Many people were added to God's movement, believing that Jesus would come in 1844. And of course, that resulted in a great disappointment. But that great disappointment also resulted in the formation of a new movement that continued to study God's word and that found those scriptures, those precious truths, revealing that Jesus, even though he had not come in 1844, had now moved into the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary and the final investigative judgment had now began and they were to prepare their lives because they were living now in this final hour of judgment. And that is from 1844 right until the very day in which we are living. The investigation is going on in heaven. But there was a blessing, according to the book of Daniel, for those who waited and came to the 1335, who, who lived at the time of 1843 and were part of that great revival. Many of those that were part of the great revival, were, were their lives were changed and they become dedicated students of God's word. And praise God, there were a number of them that would not give up, even though in 1844 Jesus did not return. They continued to study, and God revealed to them amazing truths about his sanctuary, and about his plan, and about the investigative judgment. And so we have that, pro that promise that is given there in Daniel chapter 12, blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. And then finally, we come to the very last verse in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 13. Listen to what it says. These are personal words that are spoken to Daniel the prophet. But you, go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. These are personal words spoken to Daniel. And, you know, Daniel has fulfilled his task as a prophet. He has written down the visions and dreams that have been communicated to him. He has been talking and, and writing about things that he could not even grasp and that he didn't even know about that would come to pass hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later. We are living in the fulfillment of the, of the writings of the book of Daniel. And in that very day that Daniel lived and wrote these things, he received the promise that he would rest he would die, he would sleep in Jesus, but he would wake up to receive his inheritance. See, the book of Daniel talks about a captivity, but the book of Daniel also talks about a deliverance, and it closes with an inheritance. Those that will be delivered will be partakers of this inheritance. 
though we are captive in this world of sin, though we are captive in this world of misery and sorrow and pain, we know that when Jesus Christ comes again, we will be finally delivered from this world and we will experience God's grace and God's glory and God's eternal plan for us. The deliverance can already begin right now as we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. He can deliver us from our sins, from our habits, from our destructive habits that we know are pulling us down into this world. He can set us free so that we can prepare and be ready for the final deliverance from this world so that we can receive the inheritance that God has in store for us. So let us put our trust in God. Let us put our trust in Jesus Christ, knowing that Michael is by our side and that in any situation and circumstance that we face, that we serve a high priest that is interested in our salvation, that is willing to do everything in his power and might to lead us through that time of trouble. And sometimes, you know, we look at our lives today and we already face times of troubles. And just like Michael will stand by our side in the final time of trouble in the end of this age, so Michael will stand by your side in the smaller times of troubles that we experience even now. Let's put our faith in him so that he can do a work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And let us pray that the book of Daniel may be a transformation in our lives, that these prophecies may have a place in our hearts and that they may move us to be among those that will shine as stars forever and ever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your prophecy. We thank you so much for the scriptures and the book of Daniel. And Lord, as we've gone through chapter by chapter, we've been having these, we've been making amazing discoveries, Lord, about the times in which we're living and we've seen the echoes of the past and how, Lord, your word has been confirmed over and over again and gives us confidence, Lord, for the very times in which we are living. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to guide us, that you will continue to uphold us, and that as we put our trust in you, Lord, that you will stand by our side in each and every time of trouble that we experience so that we can experience the final deliverance when you come. Thank you, Lord, that you already now want to set us free. Set us free from the sins which are uh, besetting us and tempting us. Lord, we ask for your deliverance, and we thank you for it. And we thank you, Lord, that you have promised that you will be by our side and that we need not walk alone in this world, but that we can look up to you, that you are our high priest. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us this confidence over and over again. And we turn to you right now, Lord, just asking for your blessing and asking for your mercy and for your guidance. Thank you, Lord, for the studies we've been able to have together. And as we soon commence uh, studying the book of Revelation, we continue to ask for your presence and for your guidance because we know that in ourselves we cannot understand these things, but that through you all things are possible. And so we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.